Welcome, beautiful humans, to Empowered Sobriety. I am your host, Lindsay Fauna. And I'm your other host, Abigail Gerber. We are both trauma-informed life coaches in hopes of empowering individuals to see beyond their addiction and recovery into compassion, love, acceptance, and freedom. Empowered Sobriety is a podcast for those considering sobriety, are newly sober, or already living a sober life and wanting to up-level their growth in sobriety. Each week, we'll be dropping episodes discussing topics such as childhood traumas, PTSD, sober dating, and sober sex, how to enjoy the social scene, and is AA the only path to sobriety, plus so much more, along with bringing on other sober coaches that have done deep transformational work like we have, we are also hoping to bring on anyone who feels called to be coached on air by us. Hello, Empowered Sobriety Community. It's your co-hosts, Lindsay and Abby, and we are bringing you an episode today that is, that's a heavy one, and it is all about grief, and we all know too well of grief in addiction, in sobriety, you know, we've all been through a lot, especially if you've been through a pandemic. Raise your hand if you've been through a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> there is grief and especially in sobriety, I think grief, my personal opinion, I think grief really needs to be addressed because you're grieving a life that you once had. In sobriety, you're stepping into a whole new planet, and there's a lot of loss mm -hmm. that comes with that, with perceived loss, especially if you if you change friends, friends, friends fall away. You know, uh, family, the dynamics change, and that's all loss. That's all. That's all grief. You don't quite see it, especially new in sobriety, but you, you're gaining a lot of things. But we really wanted to honor where some people were and also where Lindsay and I are. We're both in this mastermind group with other uh, life coaches. The last time we met, grief was really present with all of us. I didn't think so myself, but then I went camping last week and a little bit of grief came up around my dad. And I thought, oh, okay. It's here in me too. I didn't, I wasn't really present in that. It wasn't really present in that meeting where everyone else was, was really sharing, but it felt, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was like, oh, okay, here it is. Yeah. And in sobriety, a big piece too is grieving how you relate to the world and your idea or perception of fun or how you spend your time. You know, depending on your relationship and your frequency of use, you know, of your substance, mine being alcohol, <laughs> you know, going to a dinner with the girls and like everyone just being so excited to order bottles of wine and like that, that energy at a dinner table. And the first time that you sit down at that table or the first time that you make the decision to not even sit down at that table, 
you're grieving the loss of that and that being a part of your life and that being a way that you show up in the world. And that can be intense and that can be overwhelming. And I know for me it was. I, for me, in the way, like the the biggest grief moment I've had was when I lost my dad and I was in my addiction. And then when I lost him, because I didn't have any tools, I didn't have any um, resources. I mean, I had some family and I was seeing a therapist at the time, but I wasn't, I wasn't present. I wasn't where I am now. And, and, and in the consciousness that I have now, the awareness that I have now. And so I just, I just got through it. I just passed time. I pushed it in and I pushed it down and I just got through it with booze because that's all I knew to do. I don't have any regret, which is interesting. I have some regret, you know, working through some regret uh, on a couple of things, but the way that with my dad, I, I have a lot of compassion for myself because that's all I knew to do because that's what I was taught by society, by those around me, is to just get through it. Mm -hmm. And so it deepened my relationship with alcohol. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I began to use alcohol to push it all, to just as, as another way to emotionally stuff things down. I had no idea how to be a human. I had no idea that it was okay to grieve openly because in our culture, we hide death. We sterilize death, you know, by the funerals. And I think too, just like as an American culture, you got to keep working. So you just, you have the day of the funeral or the wake or whatever, and then you get up and just, you got to, you got to keep moving on. And that's, that's what I did. I just kept drinking and just kept, kept going. And, and looking back on that, I never dealt with it until the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. The way that I look at what happens with grief, when grief comes up, I've witnessed this with myself, particularly around my marriage, the end of my marriage, and also with my friends who have gone through breakups or losses themselves. Some, you know, they've lost somebody important or my clients is grief. When grief gets pushed down, pushed in and down, so there's the energy of grief is still in the body, so it's still swirling in, in your body. And so the coping mechanisms, whether it be alcohol or meth or codependency, shopping addiction, whatever, um, that's how we're keeping that energy down. It's still active in there, and it may come up as something else. Like oftentimes I see grief covered up as anger or grief covered up as depression as well. Or like dysthymia, just like a low level depression. Like you can still work, you can still do all kinds of stuff, you know, still live your life, but there's not a lot of moments of joy or just like happiness. When you then 
have another grief, such as a breakup, as a divorce, that grief that you have been pushing in and down will come up. So you will end up in, in this, I've experienced this and I've seen this, you will grieve all of it. You're not just grieving the end of your relationship. You're grieving the loss of your innocence as a child. You're grieving your grandfather, you know, when you were five or 12. You're grieving 9-11. You're grieving any sort of grief that you felt with political unrest. You're grieving the pandemic. It all comes up. I really want to let everyone know that like it's okay and that's a it's a beautiful time for it all to come up because there are people I've and the reason why I witness this is is and I notice this obviously with myself because when I was going through the divorce 2 years ago this like the 2021 all of a sudden all my the grief around my dad's death came up and the grief around my childhood came up and I was just like hello cookie dough for months and months and months. <laughs> I was sober. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, like strap in and grab that spoon. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, I, I witnessed um, my friends, uh, some of my friends here in Oregon go through breakups and it's so much for them for them to break up. And I witness it and I'm like, this is all the other griefs coming up too. that They're not fully aware of. This is not just the breakup. Yeah. It's not. It's not. And so I just really want to bring a lot of compassion to people who are going through like maybe even loss of a, of a breakup or loss of a friendship. And it's just like hitting them hard, like real hard. And just know that this is all of the, the way that I look at it. Mm-hmm. It's all of the griefs. Yeah. I will speak to (laughs) my own understanding. I really just began understanding probably through Elementum and working with um, Shanna the whole time we were in there. Shanna Williams, astrologer slash trauma coach extraordinaire. (laughs) Yes, she is my coach. Um, I just spent three days or two days with her. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't understand grief until, like I said, in the last year and a half. When I started to understand it, I started to take myself through it. And going through a separation in a relationship, like you said, I wasn't just grieving the loss of this person or this relationship, I was grieving the relationship prior. I was grieving parts of myself that have died along the way. And it was so much for my system. Again, the way that I picture it or I look at it is like it's waves, right, in the ocean. And they swell. And they start to pick up more water (laughs) along the way and they get bigger and bigger and bigger. What happens for me is I have 
the fear that comes in of that wave crashing and I want to soften the blow with something and I obviously don't use alcohol anymore. I don't use nicotine anymore. I chose food. Yeah, cookie dough was sugar for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grief comes in those waves. When it was building and when it was coming and when it was going to crash or what felt like it was going to crash down on me, Mm -hmm. I was always trying to, again, soften that blow. I am in the process of grieving at this time, the loss of this relationship. I know this is going to sound strange, but I'm so happy that I am learning to grieve today, the person that I am right now, because of the support that I have around me. I get to look back at my life and I get to see and I get to evaluate and I get to process how I grieved in my life before actually understanding what grief was. And I get to have compassion and understanding and love for all of those parts of me and all those versions of me and the way that I grieved before I knew and understood what grief was. I was reading through the the five stages of grief. Number one is denial. And number two is anger. Number three is bargaining. Number four is depression. And number five is acceptance. When I was going through that, I realized that I would get stuck in anger a lot. Like I would get from one to two when I was younger, I would get from one, like the denial, and then I would get to two, which was anger. And then I would just stay there mm-hmm. because that's, I was like, I know this, this is comfortable. I'm just going to be right here. I'm just going to be angry. Also, as I read that, I understood and I laugh because it's like, we're so interesting. We're such interesting beings and the things that we experience are so profound and crazy. I've been through all five stages of grief. And I feel like even when you get to the level of acceptance, it's not like you're like, okay, I'm out of it. Right. That's it. I've accepted it. Now I move on. Mm -mm. Like I said, grief comes in waves. And when you lose someone, especially to death, It will continue to come and you don't know when and you don't know how, but that's one thing that we're for certain is that grief is going to come. It's part of it. It's part of us. Like we know that we're all going to die. Like we know that. And sometimes we forget that we will lose people along the way. Mm -hmm. And how you look at a wave I like how you brought that in because I look at it as a, as a spiral, Mm. but it's the same thing. It just comes in, you know, every once in a while it comes in and hits me and I'm like, Oh, but you ride the wave. Mm -hmm. 
you ride the wave. Like, here it is. You know, my when I felt that little bit of grief on last week in the woods, I had this moment where I, you know, said to my dad, like, just out loud, I was like, I don't, I feel like I never knew you. There were parts of you I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I let myself experience the heartbreak of not only like not really knowing my dad on a, on a deep level, but also the loss of him as well. And I let my, I just, I let the wave. Mm -hmm. So we'll just stick with that. I let the wave crash over me where years ago, I wouldn't have let that happen. Right. Like what you were saying, I wouldn't have let that happen because my mind was telling me it's too painful. Mm -hmm. Through my spiritual studies, experiencing joy and experiencing grief they seem like they're on the other end of the spectrum but if you if you look at it somatically if you don't attach the feeling that you're experiencing in your heart as joy and you don't experience the feeling that's coming up in your chest as grief there's not much of a energetic difference it's our minds are attaching a label to it but really it's an opening of your heart when you feel grief it's your heart opening. Mm-hmm. You're feeling life. You're allowing life to come in and it opens your heart. When you close your heart, you lessen your human experience. And so would it be okay to allow grief in as something extraordinary? Mm-hmm. I'm a little teary-eyed. <laughs> I'm a little teary-eyed. Because grief, we assume it's a loss of connection. And there are a lot of faiths where once you die, you die. You're dead. That's it. You may see them later on, but for now, they're dead. I experienced that. And that's really difficult because what it said to me is that it's just an abrupt disconnection. And I think part of the grief process, the way that I look at it now, is how can you honor that life, especially if somebody died? Can you honor that person through ritual of all kinds of different, the rainbow of things, but also something that I experienced at a silent retreat was I realized that was it for my husband and me. The feeling, the heart, quote unquote, pain came up. I assumed that that was it. But I realized in that moment, all this gratitude came because when I allowed myself to feel it, when I allowed myself to feel the full experience of grief, gratitude came in for allowing me to be on this journey with this man for 12 years. And I continue to have that to this day. That was two years ago. To this day, I am so grateful for him. We're not meant to be together. And that's really sad. And I'm so grateful for him. And I'm doing that with my dad. He died suddenly, and there were parts where I didn't feel like I got to know him, but there were also things. I've had some mushroom journeys, some psilocybin journeys, where the information has come as you will find him in music because we really connected over 70s music or like when the Beatles anthology came out on TV back in like the 90s, early 90s, I think it was. It like brought a renaissance for him, and he got all kinds of reel-to-reels out and was converting them to CDs. And 
like I found, I just all of a sudden saw this other part to my dad that I'd never seen before, you know? And so we connect over music. So whenever like the Dire Straits songs comes on, like Salt, I think it's called Sultans of Swing or a Beatles song comes on. I'm like, hi, dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I love that. So as you were talking about grief and joy and the opening of your heart, cracking it open. I want to share my experience last week that Abby supported me through. And I had come on to our call on Friday before we recorded. And I told her, yeah, I just, you know, I I had a migraine and, you know, I had some congestion in my chest and I just was like, something's here and it's stuck and I need to move it. And I not really, you know, and I didn't realize it until the migraine came. And when I went back even further, the weekend before I had an experience and I didn't want to go into my grief after. I said, I'm just going to cut it off right about here, which was at my neck. And I am going to disconnect from my body. The thing that I was avoiding was sadness. Mm -hmm. That was the part of grief that I was avoiding was the sadness. When I reflect on it and I evaluate Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of that week, I not only disconnected myself from sadness, I also disconnected myself from all other parts of life, all other emotions, all other experiences, because I said, no, no, I don't want to process the sadness. I don't want to feel that. I do not want to allow the sadness to move through my body. So I'm going to cut it here. But I I bottlenecked myself from the rest of life. And just, just the way that I showed up those four days and this is not from judgment. This is from such a place of understanding and compassion and love is I want to choose to allow the sadness because experiencing everything else in life is greater than avoiding the sadness. And so we recorded our our podcast and I put on some music started to move my body around, wanted to feel where it was at, see if I could, you know, process it and allow it to move through me at that time. And I laid on the ground and I began to cry, but it was like, it wasn't a normal cry. It was like a guttural cry where there's not really any tears. It's like almost convulsion-like, but not that intense. And I just giggled and I was like, oh, it's anger. (laughs) (laughs) It's anger. Yeah. And I moved my way to my couch and I was kneeling down and grabbed a pillow and turned on some rageful music (laughs) and screamed right into the pillow and it all moved. It all moved Mm -hmm. and the awareness and like the connection 
that you can have to your body when you allow yourself to move that energy and process and allow those emotions. It's really like nothing else. I I feel the most like connected to myself when I do. I texted Abby and I was like, wow, the, the headache is gone. And the congestion that I was starting to feel in my chest the night before, I, I literally was like, oh, maybe I'm getting sick. Yeah. I, I was literally going to make my body sick mm-hmm. because I didn't want to process and allow. Mm. And I chose to move it and process it and experience it and be with it. That will be a very profound moment in my life for the rest of it. Evidence, mm-hmm. creating evidence for yourself. Yeah. Because what would have happened if you didn't allow yourself to feel <laughs> the anger and then the grief and the sadness? I would have said no to a lot of connection that I opened myself up to that next weekend because I processed on Friday. I would have again, been cut off to experience joy, happiness, laughter. And I would have continued to use food as a way to take down that wave. Mm. You're touching on something that I'm seeing more and more and more. You know, we're all one system. You know, the Western world is is finally figuring out what the Eastern world has known for thousands of years is that we're not really a collection of parts. We are all one thing. So if you affect one thing in the system, it affects the whole system, right? Mm-hmm. When you push down something, when you push down some part of the human experience, such as grief, you push down it all. Yep. I see that a lot in some people in my family. I see that a lot. It dulls the rest. I didn't witness it in myself until recently, until I started allowing myself to have the full human experience. I started allowing myself to have anger, to, you know, to have sadness, to have grief. And then I started noticing it in other people and I'm like, oh, huh, yeah, okay, I see it. I see it. Mm-hmm. And something that you said when you were giving that example about grief and joy being very similar, allowing life in, oof, being open, and it's really being vulnerable with yourself enough to grieve and allowing life in, it's cleansing. Like, that's the word that comes to mind for me is it is so cleansing and I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. And I'm choosing each time that I, that I interrupt myself and I'm like, oh, I'm blocking myself from grieving or from feeling these different emotions or experiencing. I'm not allowing life in and I'm clogging up the pipes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a practice. You practice over and over and over again. And you have initiation after initiation after initiation. And to be open to all of that 
is to be open to life and saying yes to life. And that's cleansing and clearing. Yeah. The more that I work to untangle myself from my trauma, the more I can see, like literally see what you're talking about. Like I can see that wave and feel that wave wash over me and move through that grief and heartbreak. I can now know what's on the other side of that and it is immense gratitude for knowing that person, whether a short amount of time or your whole life, how grateful I am to have had those experiences with that person. Or let's talk about the grief of the pandemic. A lot of people encountered a lot of loss, a way of life, financial just utter financial instability, loss of a business without trying to fix it, without trying to just find the spiritual wisdom on the other side of that. That was really sad. And can we all allow ourselves to just feel it? If you, especially if you lost a business, your savings, your life savings, like I can only imagine what was hit on that. I don't dare pretend to know what that's like, but I know what loss feels like. And allowing yourself to feel that loss, the only way through it is through it. Because we know what happens. I mean, I I'll always speak for myself. I know what happens when you don't allow yourself to feel the wave. That's your addiction. That's your coping mechanism. And can you do the work of allowing yourself to feel the loss in its fullest light? Allow yourself to feel the loss in front of people, in front of your community, and let them hold you. Because grief wants to move. There are cultures around the world who walk their grief, who cry with open arms who wail and allow the grief to move through them. When you push grief down, it's still moving, but it's moving in your body and it's circling around itself. And then it starts to create dis-ease, migraine, Mm -hmm. addiction, and who knows what else is in there. So moving your grief, allowing it to flow through you. There's that water element. We'll just, there it is again. A couple episodes (laughs) we talked about the water element. There it is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Allowing grief to flow through you. Because your mind is telling you, just like it told Lindsay and me, your mind is telling you that there is death on the other side of that. If you allow yourself to feel this, you will die. If you allow yourself to feel this, your heart will break into a million pieces and it will never be put back together again. I had a therapist tell me when I was like, I just, I don't know, we should separate, you know, like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, I don't think I can get through it. And he's like, your mind is telling you this heartbreak is going to be a lot worse than it is. And it was absolutely true. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely true. Both of us, my husband and me, ex-husband and me suffered. Because of the thought of what it would be like if we separated. Mm. And now that we're on the other side of it, two years later, 
we're both all the better for it. But you can't you can't see it when you're in it unless you allow yourself to go through it. Yeah. You and, just can't. And I will say this time and time and time and time and time and time again. Community and support. Community and support. Community and support. It is the way through it. Because there are times that you are sitting with yourself and processing grief and experiencing grief and moving it through you. Mm-hmm. And you're just open and allowing it to move. I'll speak for myself. What got me to the place of even being able to catch it like I did last week or to even stop and allow it to move through me when I when I feel it, that it's there, is being in spaces with my community or being with my coach and having her support to help me move through it in a session. Mm-hmm. And and to just just hold that space for me. And her being that anchor when I'm on the other side and I'm like, this is hard. This is painful. My heart feels cracked wide open and I feel exposed. And she's just anchoring in, in our session. And she's holding that space so beautifully for me. So grief wants to move and grief needs to be seen. The only reason why I'm able to move it the way that I am by myself is because I I had the support of going into it and leaning into it and allowing it and processing it in my coaching sessions. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it's so important to have support. I think too, grief looks stuck. Grief looks like a lot of different things. I've already mentioned that it can be anger, but I also think that grief looks like constantly doing something. You're constantly busy. You're overscheduled. I believe that if you, and what I've seen, if you stop for a moment, I think why we're constantly busy and constantly doing all kinds of stuff is to avoid the sadness Mm -hmm. of whatever it is. Yeah. So it can look like busyness. Mm -hmm. How else do you think grief shows up? Um, well, yeah. How has it shown up for you? Migraine? Yeah. Yeah. The migraine for sure. And that was a big one because I always just deemed myself as someone who had migraines. Um, Mm -hmm. I would get them quite frequently actually when I was younger, like into my mid twenties. And what I know today to be true is that means I'm holding. That means, like I said, I'm cutting myself off at the neck and I'm disconnecting from my body and I'm saying, nope, no, thank you. I don't want to feel it. Mm -hmm. And all that holding is creating all that pressure. And my, my body is speaking to me. I had never registered the chest congestion. So that was very interesting to experience and see and be aware of this time around. And like I said, food now is something that I will use to avoid grief and to avoid the grieving process. Mm -hmm. It used to be alcohol and nicotine for me as well. Mm -hmm. And 
as you said, keeping yourself busy, for me, I will avoid being alone. Okay. Yeah. Like I'll reach out to people and be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I'll just go be with people and go surround myself with people. Because again, in society, it's like, oh, no, you deal with sadness by yourself. You don't, you know, you don't come into these spaces and like be like, I need to, you know, experience sadness right now and I need people to support me in that. It's like, no, you go to your room and you cry and you process and you grieve like that on your own. And then anger is like always usually shot down. Like, oh, no, anger is bad. You don't bring that into any spaces, you know? Yeah. So putting myself in situations with people where we're hanging out or we're going out or we're doing whatever then it's like I get to be happy. I get to play in this space of I don't get to be sad here. I don't get to experience anger here. I don't get to be low energy here. So I'll just keep myself in these spaces. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed too is like apologizing for crying. If I'm on a call or if I was crying with my partner, I would apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry. And I want to move away from that. Good. Yeah. It's good you recognize that. Yeah. 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 Allowing other people to have the space to cry too. Yeah. You know, Any other yeah. ways that you see grief? I see grief in depression. Hmm. I see grief in, in anger. Because of my own work and then the work I've done with my clients, anger is kind of like on the surface. Once you get to anger, it's generally covering up sadness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I see it there. And I have seen it with body pain, with clients actually helping clients move through some pain that they stored in their hip or their knee, shoulder blade. I mean, it gets stored all over the body. When digestive, oh my, digestive issues. And that was one of the spiritual studies that I'm encountering is to digest your emotions, to fully digest, experience the emotions and allowing, even if you can allow a little bit of anger up to digest what you allowed to come up. If you're not fully digesting your experience, it will show up in your body somehow, somehow, some way through digestive disorders. It's certainly autoimmune, such as diabetes. I mean, I've worked with a, a few people and I see an emotional connection for sure. Mm -hmm. for and sure. like, um, Skin rashes and things like that too. Oh, yeah. 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 Any sort of skin, skin thing. You got a liver connection there. Skin and liver and are very connected. And uh, your emotions, a lot of stuff goes through your liver. You've got a lot of things you're processing. Yeah. Well, thank you all for being here with us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening and supporting each other and us too. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy that we both can be here and share so vulnerably with our yeah. audience. And yeah. thank you for your vulnerability, Lindsay, and, and talking about talking about this in a microphone. <laughs> we bring it all here. That's yeah, what we, we do. Really do. Yeah, we really do. Yeah. We are a free resource. If you'd like to be on the podcast, let us know. We'd love to have you email us at empoweredsobrietypodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to work with Lindsay or me, both have our own separate coaching businesses. You can catch Lindsay 
at lindsay.fano on her Instagram. My website is abbygcoaching.com. You can schedule a free call. There's also just a free sobriety call too. Like you don't need to sign up for a program or anything like that. You can just sign up an hour with me for free and we can have a talk. So thank you all for being here. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to Empowered Sobriety. We are nothing without our community. If you'd like to be coached by us on air or have any questions, email us at empoweredsobrietypodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram at Empowered Sobriety Podcast. 